Uh, let's just turn to Psalm 104. And uh, today's talk was entitled Reasons 3 to be like a tree. But after hearing Pastor Rob's talk about how the, uh, the Holy Spirit is the cherry orchard, I've decided to rename it on the spot here to the cherry orchard for those who like names. Uh, so Psalm 104, and it just says here in verse 14, he causeth, this is talking about the Lord, he causeth the grass to grow for the cattle and the herb for the service of man, and he may bring uh, forth food out of the earth and wine that makes glad the heart of man and oil that makes his face to shine and bread which strengtheneth man's heart. The trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon which he has planted, uh, where the birds make their nests and as as for the stork and the fir trees of her house and the high hills are a refuge for the wild goats and the rocks and the conies and so on and so on and talks about the astrological features and lots of other things but I really just wanted to show perhaps to start with that the creation we have is marvelous the things that we enjoy the things that we see and perhaps take for granted it's actually a reflection of the glory of God that he's created these things not only to do their job, but also to work in this incredible harmony one with another and uh, to demonstrate and portray the testimony of God. And you can sit there and look at the trees and just understand and see that God is a loving and caring God. And just turning back to 1 Kings quickly for a couple of verses here, 1 Kings chapter 4, and just a story here about King Solomon. And in verse 32 it says, And Solomon spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs were a thousand and five. He spoke of trees, and I really just wanted to sort of say here that it's, it's a very wise thing to give talks about trees. You know, the wisest people on earth have been giving talks about trees for 3,000 years, so that's why I thought it'd be an appropriate topic for tonight. Uh, the cedar tree that's in Lebanon, the hyssop that springs out of the wall, and uh, he spoke of uh, the, the animals and the birds and the fishes and all sorts of things, and Solomon used the, the creation of God to show forth his testimony, to expound his word, and to help people understand the nature of God. And so that's perhaps, hopefully, what we're going to look a bit through tonight. And trees in the Bible symbolize all sorts of things, from prophetic things to, uh, to nations, uh, to individuals and attitudes, uh, uh, stories of the coming of the Lord, um, stories of, of the discarded, stories of the lost tribes of the house of Israel, all of these things. Um, but we'll probably don't have time to look through all of those in the next few minutes. So I thought we might just narrow it down to a couple. We'll just turn to Deuteronomy 20. But we'll look at three things tonight that the trees symbolize in the Bible for us. It's life and God's provision. Number two is righteousness. And number three is longevity. So here in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 20 and this is uh, this similar thought is repeated throughout the old testament um, in verse 19 it says when thou shalt besiege a city a long time in making war against it to take it thou shalt not destroy the trees thereof by forcing an axe against them that thou mayest eat of them and thou should not cut them down for the tree of the field is a man's life to employ them in the siege and so on and there are some ground rules there laid by god but you think this was, this was old school, you know, that we surely don't need trees anymore to live, do we? I mean, if all, we, do, we could do without trees now, surely. But no, you find that thousands and thousands of years later, in an age of microphones and microwaves and 5G and airline travel, although that's not really going at the moment, that we still need trees. They provide the oxygen, they provide food and all sorts of things. 
Um, just here I've got a list of things that we rely on from trees. And there's oxygen in the air, they also store the carbon. They stabilize the soil for agriculture. And uh, perhaps if you're into agriculture, particularly crops, you, you, you know what that means, is that the trees bind the soil together. When you take the trees out and you clear the land, you actually lose the topsoil. And suddenly, what has taken the Lord a thousand years or 10,000 years to create and for us to enjoy is destroyed in a lifetime or in, in, a, in a very short space of time. Uh, they give a habitat for animals. They provide materials such as uh, food and timber and lumber and cork and so on. And they regulate temperature. I found this incredible story this year. I don't know if you've, if you've seen it as well about the mulberry tree that saved someone's house. Has anyone seen that one? It was a year ago, yeah, there's a few people, and it was in uh, New South Wales, and there was the bushfires raging 12 months ago. They started on New Year's Eve, and we were sitting here at camp um, talking about those things, about the, the, uh, the people camped on the beach there. As the, it was black in the daytime and things like that, very scary stuff. And this, uh, this guy in a place called Upper Brogo, that's apparently a real place, he, he loved his mulberry tree, and every day he would go and water his mulberry tree. It was right next to his house, and he made other sacrifices during the drought so that he could keep feeding his mulberry tree 40 litres of water every day. And he expected to come back to find his house in ashes. And you can see from the aerial shot, all of the trees are burnt, but his house has been protected there. The mulberry tree took the heat of the fire and reflected it and refracted it. And just incredible things that trees can do for us. And, in, you know, in less than 300 years uh, from when USA was settled by Westerners and by Europeans, there was, uh, you know, 75% of their virgin forest was lost because we're just so greedy. We just see timber. We think it's great. It's made for us. It's there for us to use. And they used to have a billion acres of virgin forest in the USA in about 1630. And over the next 300 years, they cut down 750 million acres of forest so that they could provide for themselves. And in places like Western Australia and no doubt other places in South Australia, um, places in uh, the Sahara, places in sub-Saharan Africa, and all over the world, really, People have been pulling up trees or cutting down trees or burning down trees so that they can clear land for agriculture. And in so doing, they actually destroy their soil. They destroy the source of life that they're hoping to gain. And let's just turn to Ezekiel 47 for a moment. Ezekiel 47, I'll make some points in a minute. Just setting the scene here. And uh, if you want the cross-reference for this one, you'll find it in uh, Revelation 22. But just this uh, incredible poetry here in, in Ezekiel 47, the prophecy of uh, the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit, the salvation that we enjoy. It says here in verse 7, Now when I returned, behold, at the bank of the river were many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said unto me, These waters issue towards the east country and go down into the desert and go into the sea, which being brought forth into the sea, the water shall be healed. And this is talking about the river springing forth into the Dead Sea. It's called the Dead Sea because there isn't a whole lot of stuff that can actually survive in the Dead Sea. It has a very high salt content. It's, uh, the, there's not a lot of life that can inhabit there. And here the Lord is using this illustration that where living waters flow into the Dead Sea and there is life. 
In verse 9, it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth, whithersoever the rivers shall come, shall live. And there was a very great multitude of fish, because these waters come thither, for they shall be healed, and everything that, that shall live, whither the river cometh. That is a very old-fashioned uh, sentence there, but what it's saying is that there was healing. You know, where the Lord poured out his provision, there was healing. And we read in verse 12, And by the river upon the bank thereof and upon the side uh, shall grow all trees for meat, whose leaf shall not fade, neither shall the fruit thereof be consumed. It shall uh, bring forth new fruit according to his months, because their waters they issued out of the sanctuary, and the fruit thereof shall be for meat, and the leaf thereof for medicine. So here we have the, uh, the leaves that are the healing of the nations, as you read about in Revelation 22, that as these trees grow up, the planting of the Lord, they are there for healing and provision to show forth the testimony of God. And you start to realize as you read through that God has actually set trees as an example of what we should be or how we should become. In 1 Kings uh, chapter 7, perhaps for time, I'll just uh, skip that one, but just for homework in verse 21, Solomon, when he's building the temple, he names the two pillars, Jachin and Boaz. They actually weren't timber pillars, but there were many timber pillars in the temple. And the names that he gave to these pillars were stability and strength. And perhaps those are some things you might think of when you think of a tree, is that it's something that's steadfast. It's unmovable. It's unyielding. It, uh, it can't be easily uprooted. Perhaps a young tree, you know, it might get mown over by the, by the lawnmower, might get kicked up, might get plucked up, might get crowded out. But once that tree starts to establish itself, it becomes harder and harder and harder to move. And as the years go on, the roots run deeper. As the years go on, it, it, it finds water sources to sustain itself that perhaps were deeper down before. The trunk becomes wider. The limbs become stronger. Has anyone seen the giant trees in Western Australia? The carry trees? And they're, they're just incredible, aren't they? And some of them are 80 and 90 meters tall. They're some of the tallest trees that God has created on the earth. And these things, when you stand at the bottom of them, they just span up for miles. And there are a few of them you can climb. And from the top, they li people literally look like little ants at the, at the bottom. And these trees, they're just incredible. You can, you can sit and wonder about the creation of God and what he's, what he's done and what he's achieved. And these trees, they just go straight up, shooting straight up, upright, righteous. As, uh, as, um, and uh, the branches don't actually start until about 10 or 20 meters off the, off the forest floor um, to protect against fires, I suppose. And then you think about the weight of this thing. It's an incredibly huge tree. And the limbs that just sprout out tens of tons. I mean, who can work out the engineering on this thing? But the Lord has just made it so that from this tiny little seed, and I've got one, and, and they are, they're no bigger than one of the little gum nuts that you see around camp. And from that sprouts this enormous tree, a tree that can, can withstand all sorts of hardship and all sorts of trial. And... Um, I grew up in the UK, many of you might know that, but um, I grew up in an old farmhouse, it was about 100 years old, and at one point my dad found this little house and he decided, he'd fallen in love with it, 
and he wanted to move in as a family. We were a big family as well, all boys, all quite tall, a lot of us as well. But he found this little three-bedroom cottage from the 1600s with like five-foot lintels. And, and he thought it was just going to be the best thing ever. And this, this cottage was like a postcard. You know, it had the thatched roof and the rose garden. It was an incredible thing. But I tell you what, the, you really got to know the lintels well, you know, because they're really at eye height. And um, soon enough, you get a flatter nose as a, as a cause of it. But, but this, this house, you know, it stood the test of time. It's been there for sort of 400 years. And the oak beams that were cut for this were cut from two or 300-year-old oaks. So you think about this, the, the tree planting there 700 years ago is then used for the timber that's there still standing, still in this structure, still holding up like Jachin and Boaz, the, the pillars of the temple, stability and strength. And I mean, call me an old-fashioned timber guy, but I, can't, I don't know of too many 700-year-old steel frame buildings that are still standing. But this timber frame building still was, and it's quite amazing. And uh, you know, there's lots of qualities in trees that, we, that we're there to, uh, to see and to understand and hopefully to imitate. Like this longevity that I'm talking about. It reminds me when I, when I interviewed for my current job, they asked me, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? And so I replied, listening. I believe listening is my greatest weakness. <laughs> All right, enough of that. Sorry, Psalm chapter 92. Just checking you're still awake. There were lots of nods, but mostly nodding off. So, and I think we know. I keep going. Yeah. So Psalm 92. We'll round it out pretty soon. But you will remember from Psalm 1 how that it says there that the the upright man will be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water, and shall bring forth his fruit. He won't wither, but he will prosper. And you can read that in Psalm 1. In Psalm 92, and we sing this one as as a song. It says in verse 12, The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like the cedar in Lebanon. And those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. And so when God makes a creation in us, when he plants that Holy Spirit in us, he wants us to grow and to flourish. He wants us to be nourished and sustained, whether through fire or drought, whether through hard times or whether through good times. A tree that is successful, a tree that will last many years, is a tree that is able to flourish when there are good times, when water abounds, and when hard times hit, when times of drought. And we know in Australia we get droughts that last for seven years and ten years and, and many things. When I first came to Australia, my parents thought it was like Egypt with all the plagues. But I said, it's, it's more like the land of flowing of milk and honey. But to them, all they see on the news is the floods and the fire and the tsunamis and all sorts of, maybe not the tsunamis, but anyway. And my mum phoned me when I was here at Karakalinga one year and said, the floods in Queensland, have those affected you? <laughs> Hope you're watching. Hi, mum. Anyway, Isaiah chapter 61, please. Isaiah 61. And, you know, a, a tree also has a, a self-propagating uh, ideal, you know, that it, it sheds forth its seed. It, it keeps sending the seed out there. And uh, that's like us, you know, when we're the planting of the Lord, it's up to us to keep putting that seed in there. You know, God gives the increase in the end, but it's up to us there to plant that seed and to keep planting that seed. And we're very lucky in our fellowship to have had many trees 
many people that we can glean an understanding from about how to live a long and prosperous and successful walk in the Lord, whether through good times or bad. In Isaiah 61, and here we have this famous passage quoted by Jesus, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me in verse one because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion and to give them beauty for ashes, which is already done for me, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. So if anyone calls you a tree, um, don't take offense. It's actually, it's, it's a very um, great compliment from the Lord to be called a tree, you know, because trees have this remarkable quality. They want to keep going up. They want to keep pressing towards the mark. If, if they get crowded in, then they find a way to shoot up, to get above the canopy, if, uh, if they find sources of water, then they draw those in. If there's an opportunity there to, to send the seed out, then they do that. There's all these qualities. And there in verse 11, it says, For as the earth brings forth her bud, and as the garden causeth the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord will cause the righteous and praise to spring forth before all nations. And what an incredible calling that we've been given to be God's cherry orchard. You know, and, and as we read there in Ezekiel about how that the tree will bring forth its fruit in all, all different seasons and all different months. You know, this time of year, we've got the cherries coming through and the apricots and the nectarines and the stone fruits and maybe the figs and pineapples and a few other fruits. But then February, perhaps we'll have a different set of fruits come through. And then March, maybe a different set of fruits. But the Lord has told us that when we are his planting, we can bring forth our fruit in every season. And it says there in the New Testament a similar thing. You know that whether, um, you know the scripture, so I won't try and paraphrase it without remembering it. But Ephesians chapter 3. Be instant in season and out of season. There we go. Came to me. Um, and, and think that one of the last things I wanted to just focus on and dwell on is resiliency. And we've heard about this through the camp. We've heard about grit and we've heard about determination. And in times past, we've heard many talks about this and tenacity and holding on and keep on keeping on and to leap lam and larry on and so on. But in Ephesians 3 and verse 17, it says here that Christ may dwell in your hearts, that by faith you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that he works in us. You know, as, as young trees, it's very difficult to survive. Many young trees don't survive. But if, once you've been in the Lord a year or two or, or maybe three years and so on and you start to grow up and you start to grow out and you start to get strong and rooted and grounded in love, um, you can continue on. And um, we've got this, in, in, in Gaula where I'm fellowshipping, we've got this tree just straight off the first tee off. And this tree, it's a gum tree, and you'll, you'll notice it if you ever come up there, it is blistered and bruised from a thousand golf balls being driven into it. 
literally there's there's golf and you can take a golf ball up and imprint them into each one this tree is bruised but it is not beaten it's like we read in the bible they were cast down but not forsaken you know we're troubled on every side but not perplexed we're like we want to be like that tree we want to have golf balls just pinging off us and, and not let it phase us eventually once a tree gets big enough you know a, a golf car can drive into it and it just doesn't budge that's what you want to be in the lord you want to keep on keeping on you want to be tenacious you want to be one of these trees that just keeps on going but the question i have for you tonight is what is rooting and grounding you is it tradition is it because this is what you've done for the last 10 years is it are you rooted and grounded here in this fellowship perhaps because this is where your parents brought you up or because where your friends are is it because it's convenient? Is it because you already have a caravan at Karakalinga? Or is it because you love the Lord? Because the scripture here says that we might be rooted and grounded in love. We're not planted into tradition. We're not planted into convenience. We are planted to be a tree. And trees don't have an easy life. They have to deal with all of the elements, the cold, the hot, the drought, the fire and flame, all these things. And yet they prosper on if the roots are properly set. And we'll finish in 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm not sure how many hours I've gone over. How long am I over? This finish up yet? Yeah. That's good. 1 Peter 5 and verse 10. Oh yeah, the, the, the inspiration for this talk. If you walk over the hill over here, has anyone seen the trees that they've cut recently? I mean, I saw them in October and November, and they, it looked like a mortar had gone off over there. There was bark everywhere, you know, just the stumps of these trees looking very forlorn, very forsaken. And what's happened now? It's Christmas camp, and they're bursting forth into life again. All of the stumps have taken on leaves again. You know, as a tree, you, you can even get cut down. Like an octopus, you just grow another limb. You know, as a tree, you can get cut down, and maybe you've been cut down. But if your roots are in the right place, then you can burst forth again into life. Take a walk over the other side of the hill and have a look at some of those trees because they're amazing. Verse 10, did I say? Yep, verse 10. Uh, but the grace, uh, sorry, but the God of all grace who hath called us into his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect. Establish, strengthen, and settle you. I'll leave it there and be like a tree.